This is Hallway Chats, where we talk with some of the unique people in and around WordPress. Together, we meet and chat with folks you may not know about in our community. With our guests, we'll explore stories of living and of making a living with WordPress. Today's show is brought to you in part by Liquid Web. We sure know that there's a lot of choice when it comes to hosting your WordPress site. Liquid Web is the managed WordPress partner you've been waiting for. Whether you're a business owner, an agency, or a freelancer, Liquid Web has you covered when it comes to performance, uptime, and ease of site management. And one of the things we love most? When your content goes viral, Liquid Web doesn't charge you more for huge spikes in traffic. Transparent pricing, no surcharges. Liquid Web is offering Hallway Chats listeners 33% off for the first three months. Go to liquidweb.com and use the coupon code HALLWAYCHATS, all one word, to sign up. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 17. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today we're joined by Russell Heimlich, the lead developer at Spirited Media. It's a local news startup with sites in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Denver. Russell, hi, welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Russell. What can you tell us about yourself? Oh, I'm just a WordPress developer that has kids. It pretty much sums up my life <laughs> at this stage, at least. <laughs> can, you, can you share a little bit about how you got into WordPress? Sure. Do you want the long story? No, let's do the short story. So um, one weekend, I had a website. I've been doing, I started doing front-end development. And then uh, I heard about this WordPress thing. And one weekend, I just sat down and I just played with it and fiddled around with it. And this was like 2008, I want to say. And I just took the default theme, which was Kubrick at the time and i made it match my site and eight hours later i had figured out how to make a wordpress theme kind of look like my site and then after that i had a blog and i was like oh i guess i should start blogging so then i started blogging for a couple years and then that's kind of how i got all started with wordpress i love that how did you get into front-end development to begin with before wordpress even came about oh how do i get into front-end development so I mean, it all kind of started in fifth grade, I would say. I, had a, I was outside my house, and there was a new kid who came to, who was in school, and he lived in my neighborhood, and he was just kind of riding by on his bike. And uh, he, uh, he was into skateboarding, and so me and him, would, would, he got me into skateboarding, and so we would be skateboarding for a long, long time. Um, and when you're young and you, you skateboard all day, the next natural progression is to, to videotape yourself skateboarding. So then I convinced my parents into getting me a video camera um, and they were kind of hesitant about it at first. And so I got involved in just basically making skateboard videos. And then once you have skateboard videos, you know, you need to have a way to distribute them. So I learned how to make websites via GeoCities. So I had a GeoCity website and kind of, it was kind of neat because there was no YouTube back then, you know, um, we actually distributed our video via peer-to-peer networks so like morpheus and kazaa we would just tell people hey go look for these keywords on this and download the video that way and so we had a skateboard video that got kind of popular i guess just by doing that and you know it progressed you know i started doing more websites and i i went to college for video editing because that's really what i wanted to do 
And then by accident, I ended up doing web development. And it turns out that web development pays better. It has more jobs. And so I've been a web developer ever since I graduated college, kind of by accident. Well, since you have kids, I will say that I thought you were going to come back around and tell us that you're now a skateboarder, just like if you give a mouse a cookie. Do you know yeah. that book? <laughs> Your story sounded like it was going in that circular direction. <laughs> I hope so. When my kids are older, that maybe I'll get back into skateboarding. It's great. <laughs> she's too, my oldest daughter is two and a half, and so she's too, she's too young to skateboard at the moment. But maybe. <laughs> That's a cool progression. I mean, it's kind of like my whole life has kind of just been at the right place at the right time. And there's always like, you know, something happened in the previous step, which leads me to where I am today kind of thing. It's kind of like if I trace it back, it's all because of like, well, because of this thing, then this thing happened, then this thing happened, then this thing happened. And there's no way that you can plan that out. It just kind of happened that way. The mystical stepping stones of life. Exactly. So be before I ask you about your, your current role at Spirited Media, uh, I want to ask you, and this sounds really deep, but it's not going to be in the end. Is the skateboarding video still online? Oh yeah, the skateboarding website's still online. So uh, okay, that's going to have to go into the show notes. Absolutely, absolutely. rattle that off. What's what's the URL for that? Oh, uh, let me double check. Uh, I think it's mdskate.russellheimlich.com. Now? No way. Is it so? So, how old were you when you stopped skateboarding, or are you still? I mean, I could skateboard, I suppose, but uh, I, I'm too old now, really, to be into it. Like, so the Russell in these videos is how old? Uh, so according to the webpage, the last update was on 11-11-2001. Oh, cool. That's uh, <laughs> going back. That's going back. And uh, I mean, I made this all in like Dreamweaver. It's got like a tiled blood background thing. <laughs> Um, this was like, this is like 1998, I would say, or some of these things, 1999, 2000, around that time was when this was, you know, I even have like, there's an MPG version and there's a GIF version and they're only a hundred kilobytes difference, but that was a big deal back then. This was on 56K when it took a while. Wow. So, I'm a big amazing. proponent of saving. I'm really into archiving stuff. So like I even made a website. In high school, there's this competition. I went to a high school that had uh, it's like a it's like a like Miss Universe, but it's for high school guys, I guess. And it's called Mr. HHS. And so I made a website for our high school for that. And so you know, I have that one. It's a Mr. HHS. And so um, you know, it's of the era. It's very strange looking back on it now, but it's a lot of fun when I. You know, I saved, I found this site, I, I, I uh, scraped it, I archived it, and I sent it around to a bunch of friends that were actually in the contest. And they're like, oh, this is such a long time ago. This is awesome. And so I just like storing stuff like that. It's That's great. I, I, I love that idea. I, I've used YouTube for that. Do you, uh, do you still do you use YouTube now or are you still putting things on, on self-hosted sites like that? Oh, I mean, like... I got and all that. What do you think? I have well, so for I have all the tapes back from when I was skateboarding. They're actually in, the, in a closet right behind me here. And one of my goals one day is to digitize all of them. So I probably have like thirty or forty hours worth of video that I want to digitize and just throw on YouTube, um, just to have it, I guess. Um, for my daughters, what I'm doing is 
my wife's really into Instagram. And so I built a WordPress site for each of my daughters and it scrapes hashtags for them and it creates a little archive uh, for their site. So, you know, it just pulls down a copy of the, the video or the, of the photo and it, it's like creating a scrapbook that way, but it's, it's all digital and you can search it. That sounds like a great business idea. You could yeah. do like websites for your babies. That, that's a great idea. Yeah, I like that. It's a lot of fun figuring it out. You know, I guess these are kind of my hobbies now. It's like when my wife was in, my wife was in labor, they just gave her an epidural and she passed out and took a nap. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. So I guess I'll make my daughter a website. And <laughs> so I just figured it out there, kind of got a, a rough version of it. So. Very creative. <laughs> a lot of fun. So how does, how does, how does this creative approach this? I'm going to figure it out. How does that come together then when you're on the clock at Spirit Media? How do, what, are you, what are you doing there and how does that all come together for you? So at Spirit Media, I'm the lead developer and basically any kind of technical website uh, issue is kind of my domain is to figure out how to make it happen and how to align with what the editors want to do, um, and how to make the technology part of that. Uh, work for them and you know a lot of it is really just playing around like my whole life has really just been playing around with stuff and figuring out taking things apart putting them back together and just figuring out how things work um so i mean i've i've i have a degree in digital media production which i got in college but none of that really helped me in what my current day job is it was all kind of an accident and just kind of figuring it out on my own so if there's anything that needs figuring out, I just, you know, break it down step by step and just, you know, go for it. I don't try to, I don't believe in like, I need to go get a class on this or, or stuff like that. I'm always curious how, how things in the world work. Like when I drive on the road and I see big bridges and stuff, I'm like, how did, how did people get together and decide they were going to build this, this massive infrastructure thing and make it actually happen? So Russell, seeing as you, you are so creative and sounds like you're doing what they say, what scratching itches and solving problems and uh, using your time resourcefully to develop your skills. Something that we talk about on this show is success and how our guests would define success. So when you think about the trajectory that you've, that you've been on, um, and what you're looking forward to, where do you find yourself in terms of your definition of success and, and on that path, where are you? Sure. Yeah, so success. I mean, success can mean a lot of different things in different contexts and stuff, but I think as in a general sense, if you can just like get one thing done off of your list of things you need to do, then I think that, that considers it a success because there's way more stuff to do than we have time for. And as long as you're making progress on something, then I consider that to be a worthy success of, of your presence here on earth, I guess. Um, so is that something you approach on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, on a day-to-day -day basis, I try to get at least one thing done. And it's sometimes it's a real, real big struggle. And there are always other things that come up that, you know, detract from your goal of trying to get this one thing done. Um, and you just kind of got to roll with it. and. You know, I've, I've learned now as I got older that you, you can't really fight a lot of things. You kind of just got to react and, and roll with it and, and make the best of it. You know, there's no use in trying to, to stop a lot of things. So we're getting in the way of progress, I guess. 
So where do you find yourself um, or where do you see yourself, say, five years down the road? If you're looking at accomplishing one thing each day, do you have a long-term view as well? It's weird. I'm very long-term in terms of things of like archiving and in terms of like finances and stuff. I like to, I'm into retirement saving, which sounds kind of weird to say, but I, I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy planning out saving, I guess. Um, But in terms of what I'm going to be doing day to day, I mean, I hope it's with websites and I hope it's with, um, you know, in media somehow. It seems to be where I ended up in my life is doing media creation. So uh, I hope I get to continue doing that. Um, and in terms of long-term, no matter what I say here, I'm going to be absolutely wrong. As to what actually happens. It's always, <laughs> okay. you know, like if you asked me 10 years ago, what would you be doing? And, I, and you said like building websites, I'd be like, oh, that's crazy. I don't believe that, you know, I'm going to be a video editor. And so look how everything turned out. Um, so I don't know, like in terms of long-term, I hope to be, you know, chucking away, doing, doing WordPress stuff and doing website stuff and just being happy doing that. So yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, going back around to the sort of day-to-day um, getting something done each day, what would you say is the most important thing that you do every day? The most important thing I do every day? Um, gosh, if you could name just one thing, you know, um, if, it's, if, it's, uh, if it's for the website stuff, it's just kind of being there for my team, I'd say, is the best. You know, I have I have one direct report and just trying to answer questions he might have or uh, helping him in whatever problems he might be facing. So that's something that's very important, um, I think. And in helping my wife, if she has questions or needs help with something, that's another thing I consider really important success is to help my wife uh, with stuff that she needs and, and uh, help my kids. And so it's really, I guess it's, it boils down to just helping people every day is what I do. Yeah. That's, that's a good approach. Yeah. And you work from home? I work from home, yep. Um, I've been doing this for about two years of working remotely. Took, took some adjusting, but uh, I like it a lot. There's pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever worked for yourself, or have you always worked for, some, for an agency or, or a company like you do now? Um, I've never worked for myself as a primary uh, career. I've done some freelancing on the side every now and then, but not, uh, not like I am, I am working for my freelance, my job myself is my primary job. Now I've never done something like that. I've always worked for a company or something like that. Um, I generally enjoy like when other people find the work and I do the work as opposed to going out and finding the work and then doing the work. Um, I'm pretty, it's not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> that, well, that makes sense. I think when we, when we talk to freelancers and doing that kind of work myself, you hear a lot how the actual work that you're doing for your clients is one small part of what you have to do. You have a lot of business stuff to take care of that when you're working for someone else, you can, you can avoid that. So yeah. there is definitely an upside to that. What kind of flexibility do you have working remotely in your job now? I mean... I, I love the flexibility of being able to like, I could take my daughter to daycare and come home and, you know, like my day doesn't really get started until 10 AM and stuff. And so on the flip side of that, like sometimes go later or I work at night and on the weekend sometimes. Um, but I just enjoy being able to like, like, you know, I'm tired and I need to take a nap cause I'm not productive and doing anything like that. So I'll take a nap because 
that be the better use of my time than to try to pretend like I don't need to take a nap and uh, trying to work through something and not getting anywhere. Um, so, I mean, the whole flexibility of being able to customize my setup in my office the way I wanted to. Um, I painted my office myself and set everything up that way, the way I like it. So I like that. Um, I like it too. <laughs> no one else can see it, but I can see it. You have, you have very cool decor in your office. I, I you have blue that. horizontal stripes. And you, what you can't see is I have this octopus curtains that, that are out of view. But yeah. my wife helped me set all that stuff up. And a it custom, looks very nautical. Custom desk here too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I see a wapu on a shelf. I do yes. have a wapu on a ah, shelf. Same one right behind you, as a yeah. matter of fact. I also have a collection of event apart lunchboxes. I like to display because I really enjoy the conference of Event Apart. If you ever have the opportunity to go to that, you should check it out. It's for people that are work on the web. So it has something for everyone. Ah. Well, speaking of events, uh, talk a little bit about your involvement with the WordPress community. And uh, I know um, that you have been involved with the DC WordPress group. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for you and how you got involved in the WordPress community? Sure. So uh, DC has a really thriving uh, WordPress community. Um, the WordPress DC meetup has been going on since at least 2010, if not earlier, maybe. Um, and when I used to actually work in the city, it was no big deal for me to just stay late at work and then go to the meetup. Um, and I'd usually get there early and I'd help set up chairs and eventually I got wrangled into like, oh, you should be a, you know, you should be an organizer. And then so I started setting up chairs and getting all the emails of all the invites from meetup.com of all the people that were coming and stuff like that. Um, and so I've just been involved helping uh, any way that I can with the, the meetup um, with my limited time and just trying to, to help keep it going. Um, I know the WordPress DC meetup is run by Leland and Courtney and Beth and other people. They're doing an amazing job and I just kind of sit on the sidelines and kind of cheer them on from time to time. But uh, DC WordPress seems big. I think there's like over like 1200 members. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot's happening. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you interact with the community in other ways online or? Every now and then when I have a free moment, I like to go on to like uh, the WordPress stack exchange site and just look at the questions that haven't been answered and just, go through and, you know, put my thoughts in there. Um, I'm active in the advanced WordPress Facebook group. So I like to monitor things that go through that and kind of give my feedback where help where I can there. Um, just kind of help answering questions, I think, is, is probably the best way for me to give back. Because um, there's a lot of questions out there and a lot of people that probably need help with things. Yeah, it's hard to find time to do that. So anytime you can devote to it is appreciated by the community, I know. Even if it's just like one question a day, I mean, that helps yeah. so much. Everyone just answered one question a day. There'd be like, there'd be no, no questions that are unanswered. <laughs> That's a good point. It's always a, a, a bit of a trick to, you know, you, someone shares a question or in a setup and because of the asynchronous way that we communicate on Facebook or on Slack or on forums, get a question like, well, I could see answering it this way or this way. And then we ask, well, how are you configured or what's going on or what is your setup? Or can you share a link so we can see the front end? And then what I find is a struggle is by the time they get back to me, sometimes I've buried it uh, on work and family and it takes like two weeks to get back to them. Like, Hey, we gave you the link. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, 
I like one thing I like about the Facebook though is you can see right when someone's typing, so you can see if they're answering your back right away. And um, I mean, a lot of times it's just I'm just going to put my comments here, and that hopefully will guide them in the right direction. So <laughs> hopefully, I know a thing or two that they don't know. Yeah, I like that. So let me let me ask you this: uh, You've talked about being involved in in WordPress, and you've talked a little bit about how your your career is progressing now that you're you're with uh, this media company. With within that environment, what's your what's been your biggest challenge to date, and how did you deal with it? Or if it's ongoing, how are you dealing with it? My biggest challenge. I mean, one of the things that struck me when I first joined was figuring out how it was a technical problem it's it's website hosting um we have a dedicated web host there but i kind of uh, i was kind of itching to kind of do a big website deployment infrastructure rebuild project i guess and so i saw this as an opportunity to make that happen um so i came up with a written document and i figured out amazon's web services from scratch basically and uh we made it happen, and, and we, we uh, in about I don't know three or four months we switched website hosting, and now we're cheaper and we're more flexible for uh, our website as we scale to more cities. So that was kind of a a big challenge, and and how we overcame it to to to, to build something that wasn't there before like that. Um, That's pretty impressive. Would you describe yourself as more of a back-end developer, more of a sysadmin, somewhere in between? How would you describe yourself if you had to pigeonhole your uh, technical skills in some way? So I started out as a front-end developer, and ever since then, I've just been getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So I started as a front-end developer, and I'm doing HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. I learned JavaScript by accident, and... uh, and then from there, it was like, oh, well, now I'm going to do, you know, PHP development. I'm going to do PHP, MySQL, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then it turned into like, well, I'm going to, you know, set up my own server now and configure server stuff. So I've just been going deeper and deeper into that hole. So now I consider myself a full stack developer because there's a lot of knowledge where knowing how it works on the front end can really benefit how it works on the back end and vice versa. And, you know, seeing how everything fits together kind of is, is my specialty there. Yeah, and that goes back to what you said earlier about liking to figure things out. So I can, I can see that that's, that's rolled out in your career. Yeah. I think Tara had a question for you. Well, Tara? I was just going to make a comment that it amazes me that someone can learn JavaScript by accident. And I'm really curious as to how the heck that happens. <laughs> so it's a funny story. So in college, this is like 2005 or so. Um, uh, the college where I went to, this is also the time when JavaScript wasn't what it is today. It was like, People would make fun of JavaScript. They would say it's not really a useful language. Um, so they had um, the, the classes at college were called Scripting 1 and Scripting 2. And Scripting 1 was CSS. And so the next class was Scripting 2. And I thought, oh, we're going to learn more advanced CSS stuff. Um, and it turns out Scripting 2 was actually JavaScript. And that's how I accidentally learned JavaScript because I didn't know it was JavaScript. And then at the end of it, I had learned some JavaScript. Um, it was even weirder because... I had taken Pascal uh, programming class in high school and I kind of forgot about it. And then in the scripting class, a lot of that stuff just came back to me. So this was probably three or four years later from that. And it was like, oh, we're we're doing programming. And I kind of remember this from Pascal. It's kind of familiar. Um, And then from from there, one thing that helped with when learning JavaScript or really anything was to have a 
rather than sit down and say, I'm going to learn JavaScript, it's to say, you know, I have this problem and I want to figure out how to make it work. And so for me, I was taking photos. I belonged to a site called DeviantArt and they had this uh, ability to sell prints and I wanted to be able to have prints in different types of sizes. So I basically built this calculator that lets you build padding around the images so you could sell them at all the sizes. So I did that via JavaScript. And it was kind of really rewarding when I actually got it working. I, I used JavaScript to do the calculator stuff, basically. It started as a spreadsheet, moved to this like web calculator thing. You could like upload your image and it would figure out the dimensions and calculate all the stuff. And so that was kind of a lot. That was really neat. And that was a fun way to learn JavaScript as opposed to sitting down and you know going through exercises and just kind of you know doing grunt work with it. So would you say that you're the type of individual that learns by doing and by having an actual project rather than hearing the theory or reading the book, you prefer to dig into it and just explore and maybe Google a thing or two, but you really have to get your, your fingers onto the keyboard and the mouse, hand on the mouse to, to make it yeah, your absolutely. knowledge. Absolutely. That's the best way to learn is by doing, I think. Um, and it actually informs you to then, I think by doing it a little bit, then you're kind of opening yourself up to being more aware of the theory behind stuff as opposed to just hearing the theory and then not making sense of it at all with no context. And then once you actually do it, it kind of makes more sense that way. Do you find that you learn something fully or deeply when you are learning it to solve a problem though? Or do you, something that I ask myself a lot because I will have a problem and I'll learn how to solve that one problem, but I don't end up learning the whole entire language or the whole entire package and I just solve the problem. How well, sure, yeah. For you? I think at first you always start to solve that one immediate problem and then you start encountering similar problems like that mm -hmm. over and over again and that's kind of when you learn it deeply. And then after you've done it a dozen times maybe of solving a similar problem, then you think about like, you know, how can I, you know, how can I go even deeper with this? And then that kind of just leads in this rabbit hole of going like, you know, I started front end and then I wanted to I want the front end to be a certain way. So I learned back end to make the output, the code on the front end better. And then on the back end, I wanted to perform better. So I learned server stuff. So it just kind of, it kind of just leads you down this path of just going deeper and deeper and deeper. So you get, it all started just with front end, trying to make markup pretty. <laughs> yeah. I think your approach and how you've taught yourself all of these things really shows that you, um, you like to dive deep into things and solve problems creatively, which is why you've been, successful in solving something every day it sounds like russell <laughs> yeah i'd say I, I learn something new every day every day is different that's great what would you say in in your development from skateboarder to front end to back end full stack um, and working for uh different companies people that you've encountered what would you say is the single most valuable, helpful piece of advice you have ever received? The single most valuable piece of advice I ever received would probably be something that my dad said when I first started working and I had a job and he was like, yeah, that makes total sense logically, but you know, in the business world, it makes no sense at all because you know, he basically was telling me that there's a lot of things that don't make sense um, in the context of like a company or a corporation or the business world that, you know, um, probably makes sense to yourself as an individual. So I guess he just kind of prepared me that the, the corporate world's really weird and doesn't work the same way as like the, 
the normal world you expect, I guess. Just kind of preparing stuff for that, I guess. Because it's not really advice, it's just kind of priming me for what I'm, what's ahead. You know, why do you do it this way? Oh, well, you know, we've always done it that way and because X, Y, and Z. And it's like, oh, well, okay. Uh, yeah, do you think that's prepared you to, um, to approach things the way you have, which is trying to find a better solution? Uh, probably helps do that whenever someone says you can't do something that I always try to figure out a way to prove them wrong and make them uh, and do the thing that they said I couldn't do. Um, yeah, I mean, if I ever see a problem, I, I like to just tackle it head on and try to figure it out and not ask permission for it or, uh, you know, wait around for someone to tell me that I should work on this problem kind of thing. Um, it's really just, if you see something wrong, go and fix it. And that will hopefully make things a lot better. Let me ask you this, if I can. Your your father's advice sounds like it was really helpful and prepared you mentally. What are you doing currently to make sure that you don't become the 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 employee or the corporate leader that your father warned you about? How do you avoid falling into those mental traps of this is how we always do it or this is how the way it should be done in a kind of uh, overly strict kind of way? How do how do you avoid that? I like to think that I listen to what other people are proposing and what they're saying and try to, you know, uh, critique the idea as opposed to trying to shut down the person or say, I'm not interested. Um, being very open to feedback and very, very open to what other people are thinking. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm more aware. I have more empathy, I guess, to issues like that, I guess, than other people. Um, so trying to take their, they're trying to look at things from their point of view and seeing how, where they're coming from and how we might be able to have a middle ground of something or, or where they're coming from um, to see what's influencing their statement, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And that makes me ask a somewhat related but not immediately on topic question is about the wider WordPress community. Given that it's open source, and I'm mostly asking this to everybody who's listening, ourselves included, is do you think as an open source project, WordPress is more likely to draw in and attract people like yourself with that mindset of, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your thoughts and your views and where you're coming to this. Just by the very nature of being an open source where the code's out there, uh, the discussion is out there, the plans for the future are out there. And so the only way to, to move those forward together as a community is to be open to different ideas. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. So yeah, the code's out there and you can go and take it. You could build plugins, you can extend it, you can make WordPress do whatever you want. It's super flexible in that regard. But then in terms of like the whole bureaucracy of core, I guess, just like you want to make a change, so you file this ticket and then there's a whole bunch of reasons of why it's not going to get in and why you know, we can't do that and this and that. It's very, I mean, that part of it of WordPress kind of turns me off. It's like participating in the wider community and trying to, I mean, I'd like to give back and do code stuff for WordPress core, but there's just a lot of politics and a lot of stuff that prevents, I just like to take WordPress and do my own thing with it, I think, and not have to worry about making this work for all kinds of different languages and all kinds of different situations and all kinds of themes and plugins and different servers and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I like to take WordPress and do things that I want to do with it. Um, so in that regard, you know, being open is awesome. And it helps in that regard, but then maintaining that is something I, I can't, I can't imagine how WordPress is still going. Like it, it seems very, 
it's one of those mysteries. It's like, I don't know how open source can work. It seems like it shouldn't work on paper. <laughs> maybe it's what your father was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I understand that, that dichotomy of the desire to create a tool that really is available and powerful for everyone to use regardless of their cultural position. But on the other hand, I just want to use it. I want to make it my own. And frankly, my deadline is tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, how, how do I do that? That's, that's a tricky balance. And it, I think it is one that's likely to you know, cause people to pull hair or, or stress about. So I, I don't think we're going away from that anytime soon, but I, I welcome your thoughts on that. Props to any of the, all the contributors that work on WordPress day in and day out. And like, Amen to that. I mean, I don't know how they do it and then how they can... Uh, it takes a special type of person. I guess I'm not that person to, to figure out how to make all these people agree and work together and, and stuff like that. I guess that's not... I'm not there yet. Maybe that's something I'll acquire old, when I'm older with more wisdom. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it, it takes some patience. But when you have something that's as large as this, I guess you have to have your... You have to have some bureaucracy built in, or it, or it wouldn't work. Also, there's, yeah. there's a fine line. It goes, there. it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Russell, I'm sorry to say we're we're out of time. It's been great having you on Hallway Chats. Where can people find you? Lisa, and and we are definitely going to include the uh, the skateboard videos in the in the show notes. But where else can they find you today? My screen name is KingCool68. That's cool with a K. So that's pretty much, I'm on the internet. No one ever told you in middle school that whatever screen name you picked is going to stick with you the rest of your life. Is that your skateboard name? King that's cool. my skateboard name. In middle school, I just thought, or elementary school, I thought that was fun. So that stuck with me for some reason. So it's K-I-N-G-K-O-O-L-6-8. So that's, that's my handle on Twitter. That's my handle on Instagram, GitHub. Uh, you can find me all over the internet that way. Um, my website's russellheimlich.com, which I haven't updated since 2006 when I graduated college. I haven't had time to, to, to work on that. So it still has a Flash version. So you could go check out what a Flash version of a website looks like. Wow. I love all the history we're going to get when we look you up, Russell. <laughs> you know, this is going to be awesome. I'm very much looking forward to clicking on the links. <laughs> Mr. HHS, here I come. Russell, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed getting to know you. Thanks for sharing your time and your thoughts with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I thank hope to you. hear more great episodes. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves. <laughs>